Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. Man, I don't know about you, church, but I can sense the Lord is already at work, and he is in this place this morning, and I'm so excited. We even got some front row Baptists this morning, so we know we're going to have some church today, and we are so excited you're here. You're a beautiful bride of Christ this morning, and I am so thankful to introduce Pastor T to you today. Uh, T doesn't realize it, but we have known each other for almost 20 years now. 20 years, Pastor T. Uh, way back in about 2003 and 4, he was my assistant basketball coach at Arkadelphia High School. He was going to Henderson State University there. And I'll let you know something about T. He won't tell you, but he is a Hall of Famer basketball player at Henderson State University. He's got some records. He's got some three-pointers. That's right. Yeah. I can't say I did that, so I got to tell somebody that you did, okay? But, man, we're so excited to have him here today. His actual spiritual father, the Hearst family, John and I believe Ann back here. You guys, would y'all wave at us real quick? This is the man that led T to the Lord, and we are so thankful for that man and that woman and how they've invested in his life. T is here today as a result of their faithfulness to that ministry. Uh, T has been a native of Little Rock. He graduated from high school in Little Rock. Uh, he got a degree in coaching and was coaching for a while. Then God called him to full-time ministry, and we are so thankful for God's call on his life today. He was a University of Arkansas Pine Bluff campus minister and was reaching people left and right. And if you don't know T, you can look him up on Facebook. Try to spell his name. I spelled it wrong on the back of that, but I know how to spell it now. Look up how to spell his name. If I'm on Facebook, this man is an evangelist, a personal evangelist. Every single day, you'll see him videoing himself sharing the gospel and winning people to the Lord. We need more of that, don't we, church? Amen. So this man's got anointing on his life, an incredible man. He is now serving at First Baptist Jonesboro as the outreach and young adult pastor. And so without further delay, I'm excited to welcome and introduce T. Would y'all give him a hand one more time as he comes and opens the word? Thanks, Cody. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. I greatly respect uh, John and Brother Cody, and it's been a great pleasure to, to know these guys. They've been inspirational to me, and um, I just, I'm just grateful. Um, I'm not going to tell you a lot about myself. I'm just going to get right into the message. I think um, because here's, here's, my, here's my heart. Um, the reason why I'm brief introduction for myself is that I think all of us, at, within the next 100 years, every single person in this room will not be in existence. And so it really doesn't matter uh, what our name is. It, it just really matters what his name is. His name is Jesus. So let me start out by giving you a, a hard illustration for myself, but it really sets the tone for what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, my mother, she was in an apartment fire. I get a call, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, you ha hate those type of calls. And my sister is literally screaming, saying, she's dead. She's dead. And during that time, I think the Spirit of God just calmed me down because I, I jumped in my car. I didn't even know where I was going. I just headed down the freeway trying to get my thoughts together. But when I got to the hospital, uh, I realized that she was alive. And uh, I could smell, I didn't know it at the time, but I could smell like burning flesh, if you ever know what that smells like. And as soon as I rounded the corner, there she was. She was sitting, and she was slumped over, and her back was severely, severely burnt. Uh, so I got the story to try to figure out what, what had happened. And uh, they were sleeping, and I think they were cooking something, and the department caught on fire. And uh, her and her husband was laying in the bed. And uh, when they were 
uh, unbeknownst to them, the house had in, was engulfed, but the room didn't really seem, it seemed to be uh, any flames within the room. And so when she looked outside the door, uh, there, there she was smoking everywhere. And she said, hey, get out of here. I mean, she just, she, she, she took off behind the door. And as she opened the door, uh, her husband was behind her. And you know how that oxygen hits the, hits the room. And she made it outside. And when that oxygen hit the room, the, the, the apartment just exploded. So she made it halfway down the steps and she recognized, she turned around, she didn't see her husband. So she, she went back into the, the door and opened it and there he was right at the door and he was a burning ball of flames. So she grabbed him, took him, threw him over the, the balcony and she put her body on him to uh, burn, you know, take the fire out. Uh, at, at the end of it, 70% 70, 70 of his body was completely burned. He had inhaled the soot and all the smoke and uh, even to this day, he's at a, at a nursing home right now, and he's laying there, and um, he, he, can, he can barely move because his skin had been completely just burnt. He can, and he, he talks like this. And I, I thought about that because he had had an encounter with, with fire, and he'll never be the same again. He'll never be the same. He walks, and he talks different. And I, I, the reason why I use that illustration is because I think us that has claim to have an encounter with Christ. See, because if you have an encounter with Christ, there's no way you will be the same person. Because which one will change a person more? Having an encounter with a burning, exploding fire in an apartment, or having an encounter with the living God that keeps your heart beating every single night and you don't even know it? Which one will change a person more? An encounter with the living God. So if you have claimed to have an encounter with the living God and you don't walk different, you don't talk different, I'm here to tell you today that you are in trouble. And the reason why I tell you this is because two reasons. Because one is this is a warning call, a gut check. Because one, God may be, he may be about to take you sooner than you realize. That's one. I had a cousin uh, named Marquise Rouse taught me how to play basketball and um, he was always kind of, you know, really wasn't serious about his relationship. Yeah, he did go to church. But uh, as time went on, he, he, he developed cancer. He beat it twice. He beat it twice, but the last time was pretty severe. And, you know, if you are considered to be the pastor of the family and everybody started getting sick, when they really want to get serious about Jesus, they'll call you. And so, sure enough, uh, I called him, and he told me, he said, hey, I know what you're already calling for. You've been telling me about this for years. I said, man, are you ready to get right with Jesus? And I explained the gospel to him. As a matter of fact, I, I share this passage with him. I'm about to share with you guys. He says, and I always give these lights. I said, green light, you're ready to follow Jesus. You're ready to go all the way, even if you don't understand it all. Yellow light, I want to think about it. Red light, I'm completely rejecting Jesus. I said, which one are you at the end of this passage that I share with him? He said, he said, Bobo, he called me Bobo. He said, uh, let, me, let me think about it. No joke, 24 hours later, he was dead. 24 hours later. And I don't really know the decision he made. If he made the wrong decision, the cousin I grew up with, took showers with, played in the park with, he's in hell right now. He's in hell and torment. I, haven't, I can't even begin to describe, nobody can describe what the torment is. So here's what the Bible says. 
to examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Paul says that. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He says, examine yourself. He says, test yourself. Don't play around with your soul. Don't gamble with your soul. He says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Y'all must be serious about Jesus. Y'all flipping? <laughs> Man. <laughs> well, I want to I give you just a test for you. But because I think my goal is before you leave, you know exactly where you stand with Jesus. You're not going to have to question where you stand. I'm going to try to make it as clear as possible. And I pray that the spirit of the Lord will get you to see what I'm trying to get you to see. So let me give you a brief test. Don't be alarmed at this. If you want to participate, I would love for you to do that by the just showing of a hands. If you are 50% sure that when you die tomorrow, if you die tomorrow, if, I hope you live to be 200, but let's just say the day came in your judgment was to stand before God. By the showing of hands, raise your hand if you're about 50% sure you'll be in heaven. I'm about a 50-50. Okay? 50-50. Raise your hand if you think you're about 60% sure you go to heaven. 60, you're 60% sure that if you died, you'll go to heaven. Raise your hand if you're 70% sure if you died, you go to heaven. You're 70% sure. Raise your hand if you're 80% sure you're, that you'll die and go to heaven. Anybody about 80% sure that they, that they will die and go to heaven? What if you say you are 90% sure? I am 90% sure that if I die today, I'll go straight to heaven. Anybody? Okay. Raise your hand if you're 99.9% .9 sure if you die today, <laughs> you'll go to heaven. You're 99.9% .9 sure. Show one of the hands. Anybody? Okay. All right. If me and you get up in a plane, and I said to you, hey, um, let's jump out of this plane for fun. <laughs> and I said, uh, but there's about a 99% chance this parachute will work. Would you take the risk? No, you wouldn't take the risk. You want that parachute to be what? 100%. So before you leave, I want to make sure your parachute is 100%. So. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Did you know that 150,000 people die every single 24 hours? By this time tomorrow, 150,000 people collectively around the world, COVID, car accident, starvation, will be dead collectively around the world. Did you know that? So, let me give you some types of people that's in this room right now. The first type of per person in this room in a, in a size like this is the seeker. Like you really are serious in trying to figure out if this stuff is true. You want to know like, I'm not trying to play around with this and if I feel like this is not true, I'm going to something else. You're a seeker. You're just trying to, you're trying to figure out and you're not playing any games in here. You want to figure out if this Jesus everybody's talking about is true. Those type of people in the room. The other type of person in the room is just really a fan. They, they, they just come, they just kind of wear the jersey of Jesus as long as everything is convenient. But when it gets rough, man, they jumping off the bandwagon. It, you you kind of think, man, it's really cool to be in this environment. It's, it's a really, really cool church. I love this church already because you guys are really, really, every, every person I pass, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I mean, like, wow, this is, 
This is a really cool church. You got really cool pastors, a really cool staff. Maybe you're here just because it's cool. Maybe you're here because you, you, you just you like the entertainment. Jesus, Jesus he, he gathered large crowds of people. He was very, he wasn't not an entertainer, but he was very entertaining. He could hold crowds' attention. He was giving out free food. Giving free checkups and actually healing people, like on the spot. Maybe you're just here for the experience. You're just a fan. You're not really here for an encounter. You're just here for the experience. You don't, you don't really feel your need for God. You're just kind of just doing the God thing just in case heaven is, and hell is real. You're just kind of paying your respects to God. But really, you're ready to get back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, maybe you're just here, you're just looking for a, a wife, right? You're looking for a husband. This is the happening place. You're just a fan. That's, a, that's the second type of person. First one is a seeker. First one is a fan. The other one here is just, um, they're just dating Jesus. They know the gospel is true. They heard the gospel over and over again. But they got both, they got one foot on one side of the world and one foot in Jesus. They got too much Jesus in them to completely live for the world and too much of the world in them to completely live for Jesus. They're just dating. They're, they're, they're like, they're, they one of those people that say, you know what, I'm going to come in the kingdom at the last minute. Like if I was an accident or something, if I was like a thief on the cross, I'm just going to wait and get all of my fun out. And then maybe I can ask God for forgiveness, you know, at the last minute. Those type of people here, they, they know, they understand the gospel. They just hadn't really got jumped in with both feet. The other type of person in here is a, a struggling follower of Jesus. They, they really are believers. They have really put their faith in Jesus, but they're struggling. They're, they're trying to grow. They, they want discipleship. They're, they're seeking it. They're just, they're trying to figure out how to walk like Jesus. And then there, there's a faithful follower of Jesus in here. They're being discipled. They're discipling other people. They're sharing their faith on a regular basis. Uh, they teach. They may, they may uh, sing in the choir, right? They may, um, they're hungry. They have a thirst for, of righteousness. They may preach and teach. These people are faithful followers of Jesus, and you know, you know them. You truly know them because they don't just live it here. They live it out there. And see, the only thing the world needs, like if you cut this, all this, this entire room auditorium lights your eyes are always looking for some type of light and so this with these type of people they they it may be a bunch of darkness but they are light in the midst of darkness these people are serious but let me tell you the majority of people in this room could be possibly the majority of people is in the story we're about to read today and it's found in mark chapter 10 Verse 17. Starts in verse 17. Let me describe this guy. Um, the other type of person is a very religious person, but they really don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, they come to church almost every Sunday. They dress nice. They work hard. They pay their tithes. They sing in a choir. They don't drink or smoke or run around on their wives. But, but it's something about their soul that's unrestful. 
they seem to be missing something. They just don't understand what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm checking off all the boxes. And I see Cody. He seems to have this, like, this, uh, this undeniable joy. Like, he, he, you know, John, he goes through difficult times and he still has his under... What am I missing? And that religious person may not really ask the, the, the point-blank question. They just keep on searching. They, they feel like something is desperately wrong. And in closed doors, when they go to sleep, they really feel like they really feel empty. They just got to do a bunch of activity. A lot of activity just to act like they're, they're believers, like Martha in the, in the Bible. Martha. They do a bunch of activity just to say in their heart, I'm okay, right? Like I am. I, I, I play my ties. I, go to, I got a good job. And I'm, I don't cuss very much. You know, I know the Super Bowl today, you know, but. Right? Well, this guy, this is what he says. He's, let's, let's read the story. It says, uh, as, Jesus, as Jesus was sitting down on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God alone. But you, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And look at what he said. Look at what this religious person said. Look at what this guy said. He says, Jesus, all these things I have kept since I was a youth. You know what he's saying? He was saying the same thing a lot of religious people do in the world. I don't drink, I don't smoke, or I don't do it around people. I pay my tithes, sing in the choir, I teach a Sunday school class. Like, I, I meet all of the, I check all of the boxes. But see, he came running up to Jesus because he knew something was desperately wrong. He heard about Jesus. As a matter of fact, look at his posture. You know, people back in the Eastern uh, culture, they, they didn't run towards anybody, especially if they were very wealthy people. And they certainly didn't kneel to somebody that had, he, he looked better than Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was really, like, he was a, a person that just really looked pretty normal. As a matter of fact, he, will, he was borderline unattractive. So for him to run up to Jesus and kneel before him, he knew that something was special about Jesus. But you know what he didn't understand? He didn't understand he was dealing with God. He said, that's why Jesus says, why do you call me good? What, what, stand, what, what do you mean about good? So oftentimes I ask people this question, you know, when I'm, I'm sharing with them. And I say, hey, uh, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Most people are going to say what? Yeah. I said, according to whose standard? Now, I, I know why most people think they're good. Because they look at what? Other people in prison. They, look at, they looked at their next door neighbor. And they compare themselves from man to man. That's why they consider themselves to be good. We can always find somebody that we're better than when we look horizontally. But see, that's not the question about this, this rich young ruler. Jesus was saying, you consider, who do you, you think I'm good? Are, are you comparing yourself from man to God? Moral perfection. See, this man was thinking just because he, he looked good on the outside and he was a rich young ruler. As a matter of fact, uh, like he actually made it in his day. Like, he was young. He, in other accounts of Scripture, he was a rich, young ruler. He was young, and he had made it. Normally, people that held his position was elderly people. And so, he had made it. He had arrived. But he still felt like, even though he, he grew up in church, he paid his tithes, 
He worked hard. He felt like something is still missing. And you could possibly feel like that too. There's people in here right now that you, you check all the boxes, but something feels like it's wrong. And you just can't seem to figure it out. You was, you, you was probably baptized right here or at another church before you came here. But you still feel like something is wrong. And you can't lay a finger on it. This was this guy. You may feel desperate. You may have felt like, God, I, I, I even prayed to pray. I was crying when I, when I supposedly put my faith in Jesus. You knelt before him. And let's look at what happened. See, Jesus gives this man the good person test. I, call, I like to call it the good person test. You know what the good person test is? You know what the, he gives, he gives him the, the law. Exodus 20, he goes over the commandments with the guy. See, I would have thought when he came running up to Jesus and he was desperately looking to be saved, like, he said, what must I do? Man, man, just pray the prayer. You already got it. You're already crying and desperately kneeling. Just go ahead and pray the prayer. I would have just reeled him in. But see, Jesus, he, didn't, he don't look at outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so what he did is he tested his heart to see what he thought. What he, really, what he was, his standard of goodness. So he gave him a good person test. So I'm going to give it to you. The first thing he says is he says, um, you should not murder. You don't have to show hands here. <laughs> but have you ever murdered anybody? I mean, think about it. And I know most people go, oh, no, oh, mm. nope, nope, not me. Until you look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, if you hate your brother or sister, you're really a murderer. Murderer doesn't really start with physical. It starts with the mental. Now, some forms of murder is this. If you have unforgiveness in your heart right now with somebody you can't seem to forgive, that's a form of murder. If, you, if, that's your, if this is how you live your life all the time, you always like mad at somebody, you always have something against somebody, you always feel like that person is always doing you wrong, you can never really seem to get over it, and you say, I'm not ever forgiving that person, that's hate. That's a form of hate. The Bible says you're a murderer at heart. And he says no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Did you know that, that anger is the one of the leading causes of, 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 of addiction? I remember me being mad at my father so long that it drove me towards soothing that inside. See, anger can be an outward expression or it can actually be an inner, internal expression. See, internal is, is a, it, it, you get so mad that you can't take it out, so it, it causes depression. Anger turned inward is depression. You feel a downward spirit. You all, it, it, it's constantly messy. You can't even sleep. You gotta take something. You know that the studies that show if a person gets angry, if they get angry for five to 10 minutes, that it will shut your immune system down for 24 hours. It's a legitimate study. The Bible says if you're angry with your brother or sister, you're really a murderer. Or if you're jealous, why did Cain kill his brother? Why did Saul try to kill Paul with a spear? No, not Paul, David. Why did he try to kill him? Because he was angry. This guy said, I'm clean. And then he goes to the next one, have you, have you committed adultery? Now, it's, it's legitimate people in here, and I, and I have a big church too. 
It's people sleeping around on their wives everywhere. And their husbands. Are they watching porn on a consistent basis? They cheating some kind of way. In a church this size, there's probably somebody physically running around on their husband or wife. I'm just, just being serious. It's just, just the nature of the game. It's probably guys in here watching pornography on a consistent basis. Seventy-some people watch, they, they view pornography at least once every week. The Bible says, if you look at someone lustfully, you commit adultery in your heart. That may be the normal practice of some, some, of, you, some of you. Or it could be just, you, you just watch R-rated films of nudity on them all the time and you think it's okay. That's adultery. Now, I, I can sit up here, because I know I'll be dead within 100 years if God does right? I, I know it. I, I can sit up here and just, you know, play, play the game and try to pamper, right? But, but, but souls are, are leaving this planet on a consistent basis. So a hard, a hard gospel will soften your heart. A soft gospel will harden your heart. So he says, I've kept this. Thou shalt not steal. Some people don't think they're thieves. <laughs> you know how we do this? We download stuff that we don't pay for. We walk out of the grocery store and don't pay for it. He says, I've kept these. Don't defraud. Some, honor your father and mother. We got, we, got, we got kids in here right now, sitting in this crowd right now, that dishonors their parent on a consistent basis. They dishonor their, they talk back, they don't listen, they do things behind their parents' back, and the Bible says your days will be shortened. You, you have pronounced a death sentence on you very early. If you're here and you disrespect your parents, you will die early. That's what the Bible says. I, I see this. Fifth, in Georgia, fifth, fifth, uh, five 15-year-old students get in the car, ninth graders. Parents tell them, don't hang out, the, put on your seatbelt. They think they cool. They hit a curve. All five of them fly out the vehicle, break, breaking their body, breaking their bones. All five of them died. The parents told them, don't speed. They dishonored their parents. They're dead at 15. It happens every single day. But you know what this guy said? I've kept all of those. And I love the mercy of Jesus. I love the mercy of God. Look at this verse. Look at verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him with love. He looked at him with compassion. Because he was not willing to put down what he had in his hands. See, you hear what he, see what he said? He said, he says, all right. Jesus says, I, I want you to go sell everything you have. Give up your position. Give up your power and give up your pleasure. Give up your position, your power, your pleasure. And I want you to come and follow me. And you'll have treasure in heaven. You know what he did? He said, you took it too far. I thought it was something I can do to get into heaven. You, you took it way too far. The Bible says he dropped his head and it went away sad. Some of you guys are chasing religion, but you don't really have a relationship. I can remember when I was doing BCM, and uh, from here to that chair right there was a busy highway. And I had my three-year-old son playing with a little red ball. And my wife always tells me, if my son is around a busy highway, don't let him play with a ball. <laughs> my wife says, she tells me that, but you know how guys are. 
I got this. We macho. And I was talking to students, you know, going by, and he was pulling on my leg, and, you know, and, and guess what? I, 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 had, I had a ball. It wasn't red. It was like, I think it was like yellow or something. So, I, so to keep him busy, guess what I did? I gave him the ball. I said, he'll be all right. All of a sudden, you know what happens. The ball hits his foot and goes into the road. I was just close enough just to catch him before he went in the road. And I picked my son up and I squeezed him. I said, boy, my son was about to lose his life for a $2.50 yellow ball. He was chasing that ball, running out there at full speed. Thank God I was just close enough to catch him. Some of you guys are running after things full speed. And you're running in the, in, the, in the path of hell. And Jesus is wanting to catch you and stop you. But you know what you keep doing? See, when I picked my son up, he started clawing at my face, said, give me my ball. He didn't know that his $2.50 ball was going to cost him his life. Just like some of you guys are chasing things. You're chasing religion. You're chasing your flesh. Chasing these things. And, and Jesus is trying to grab you. And you keep clawing at his face, said, I want it my way. He says, you don't understand that it is going to cost you your soul in hell. That's why Jesus looked at this man with love. He was not willing to give up what he had in his hands. And you know what? The Bible says he dropped his head and he went away sad. Now watch this. Did Jesus try to stop him? Did he try, did he try to stop him? No, he didn't. He walked away and he went, he's not a rich young ruler anymore. This man, right, that this rich guy is in hell. With no, with no way out. And I know what he's thinking about in hell right now. He's thinking about, I looked into the eyes of the man that I knew that loved me unconditionally. And I can never have him again. That's the worst part about being in hell. It's not the burning, it's not the screaming and gnashing of the teeth and you can't see anything, it's dark, you don't have any love, no love of God is there. It's not that. It's that you seen, you, you see the man that, that when you see Jesus' eyes on the day of judgment, whether you go to hell or heaven, when you see his eyes, you're going to know, <gasps> you're, you're never going to experience a love like that if you don't experience it through repentance. And when you see it on the day of judgment, the worst part about being in hell is God says you can never have it again. And I like how Jesus turned around to his disciples. And he looked at them. He didn't try to stop them. He, you know, because back in Jesus' day, they thought that just because you had a lot of wealth, you was considered to be blessed and favored by God. Right? As a matter of fact, in the United States, we're the most richest people on the face of the planet. If you live in the United States of America, you're among 80% rich, richest person in the world. Most of the world lives on $10 or less. So when this parable, it's, it's not talking about people that, that are wealthier than you. It's talking about you. It's talking about us. It is so difficult. The worst place to be a Christian is here in America. It's no worse place to be a Christian because we got too many cr crutches. We got too many options. We don't need Jesus. We got our 401K. We don't need Jesus. We got family members we can run to. We got doctors. We got all these things. We don't need them. This man had the same thought process. The Bible says he went away sorrowful. 
He went away sorrowful. That word basically means he went away grieving at heart. Like he, he went away like empty. See, the things that we chase, if you chase them, they leave you empty and they leave you unsatisfied. Would you agree? At some point, they'll leave you empty and unsatisfied. Jesus is the only one you can have that if you get him, he'll completely satisfy you. And when you disappoint him, he's the only one that can really restore you. And Jesus turns to his disciples, and here's what he says. In verse, verse 26, no, I'm sorry, verse 23, says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it would be for those who are wealthy to enter to the, to the kingdom. Disciples were amazed. But Jesus said again, children, how difficult would it be to enter to the kingdom? He said it twice. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the, into the kingdom. And they were exceedingly astonished. Then somebody said, who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them. He says, with man, this is completely impossible. Did you know you can't save yourself? Some, some, some of us are probably convicted right now. It is nothing you can do about it. There is one, and I'm going I'm I'm to close here in a minute. There is one. But there's nothing you can do to save yourself. So for you to try to save yourself from your condition, it will be all, like all of us get up in a plane, attempting to try, try to flap our arms to try to save our life. How do you feel if you're trying to, like, if you're in a plane, we're about to jump, and you have to flap. I'll give you, I'll give you good advice. And I say flap your arms to try to save your life. How are you going to feel? <laughs> Stressed out? <laughs> Do you see how this man felt when he walked away from Jesus? He felt that way. But see, he looked at his disciples, and here's what he said. He said, this is impossible with man. There's no way we can save ourselves. And he said, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left, watch this, this is good, this is the juicy part. There's no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother, father or children or lands for, for my sake and the gospel's sake will, will not receive a hundredfold now, and this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last, first. So if you're going to get this gift, God don't really give it to strong people. He don't give this gift to strong people. You know who he gives it to? Weak people. He, he won't help you if you're too strong. He won't help you if you don't, you don't understand that you cannot do this. So that puts you at the mercy seat of God. See, some of you guys have been trying to do it yourself. You've been performance. You've been religious. You've been, you've been trying to do it yourself. Hell is filled with religious people. And it's also filled with people that are procrastinators. Hell is filled with two types of people, religious people and procrastinators. So if you feel the weight of your sin, I want to close with this illustration. If you feel a weight, you, you, you even feel like, I'm a, like, am I, am I okay? Like, you're wrestling with yourself right now. Like, you're thinking, like, man, I'm, am I really okay? Like, surely I'm okay, right? Like, and you start checking out all the boxes. You're starting to think, okay, I do it to church. I do this. I sing in the choir. Like, people have told me I was a good person. Like, my neighbor knows that. You, you're wrestling with yourself right now. Don't wrestle. 
Just repent. Even if you think you have a question in your mind, don't wrestle. Just, just repent. And I'm telling you, the mercy of God, let me give you, let me close this illustration. Just imagine that you were charged for murder, crimes against the state of Arkansas. And they were going to lethally inject you. The judge gives you the sentence, and there you are. They're about to give you what you deserve. Ten days later, they dress you in this orange suit. They handcuff you to the gurney. They strap your head down. They strap your chest down. They strap both arms down. The doctor comes into the room with the intravenous needle. He puts it into your veins. He says, you have any last words before I administer the liquid of death into your veins. There's nothing you can say. You're a murderer. You murder people. What can you do? Try to pay it off? There's no community service hours that can pay off your, your crime right now. There's, there's nothing you can do. Well, you tighten up your eyes and you, 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 you just shut your body down and you start breathing really hard. All of a sudden, to everybody's surprise, the front door comes open and you hear footsteps and you open your eyes and you're sitting upside down and the judge, the one that rightfully gave you your, pronounced your sentence, is standing there looking over you just like this. Tears start streaming down his face. And you look up, you, you're trying to figure out what's wrong. He calls his 18-year-old son in the room. He says, son, come in. His son comes in. He looks at you with tears in his eyes. He says, the, 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 the judge, the one that gave you your sentence, looks at his son and says, you know what has to be done, son. He says, father, I know what has to be done. He takes his keys from his, his father. He unhooks both of your arms off that gurney. He takes the intravenous needles out of your arm. He tells you to stand up. And his, the judge's 18-year-old son lays himself down on that gurney in your place. And you're sitting there just watching in complete amazement and complete shock. The judge handcuffs his own innocent son to the gurney. The doctor injects his intravenous needles in his son's arm. And you're watching and seeing that this, this is not happening. And his 18-year-old son looks up at his father. His father looks down at him. And the 18-year-old son says, Father, is there any other way for this to be taken care of? And the, and the daddy says, no, son. There's no other way. The 18-year-old kid says, let your will be done. You're sitting there. You're just, you're just sitting there watching in complete shock. The judge goes out of the room, and he tells the doctor, he says, let, let me administer. Let me administer the liquid in his, in his veins. The judge he pushes down. And the liquid is, is injected in his son's veins. His son starts shaking. His son starts crying out, says, Father, Daddy, it's, this hurts. He's crying out for his father, and his father has to turn his head away from his son. And all of a sudden, it's, the line flat lines, and it's, there's no more movement in this 18-year-old son. It is finished. The judge comes back in the room, and he looks at you, the murderer, and he says, your price has been paid. You are free to go. You will never live the same again.
And every time you think about murder, it, it will make you sick to your stomach because of the mercy that the judge has showed you. Your life will never be the same. Guys, 2,000 years ago, the Bible says God loved you so much that even in your religious or in your sin, he put his son on that cross and he administered the liquid danger and his it, it, poison in his son's veins on that cross. He beat him into his lungs of his foes. He turned his back and, fought, and, and Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished, Father, and he gave up his life. So you don't have to try to be religious. You just rely on the mercy of God. This is a way not only that you're saved, but you live your life every day. There's no way I can be a father without the mercy of God every day. I call on God every day. I know I'm a horrible father without him. There's no way I can live this life without Jesus. You think I can be a pastor? I, I would have cheated on my wife a long time ago. I can't, be, I can't live like that. I can't live, I can't live for Christ without him. Take the pressure off and just ask God for mercy. And then when God transforms you, you go tell the world how good he's been for you. Some people think, like, like T, you're going around sharing the gospel. I can't help it. You know what he's did for me? I can't help that. You know what he's done for me? How can I keep my mouth shut about the greatest Savior in the world? There's no other person to lay his life down for you. And I know what some of you guys are going to do. You're going to sit there and you're going to stay in your religion and you're going to die and go straight to hell. But some of you guys, you're going to say, you know what, God, I need you. I'm no longer playing this game. I'm going to be transformed from the inside out and I'll never be the same again. And if, you, if you're there, I just want We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.